You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Chris Neal. I'm Omar, but boys call me Papa Omar. You could join us. Join you? Yeah, I casa God. I'm not no orphan. I just moved that floor. Can't expect street kids to learn manners overnight. You've got 20 years to learn, Omar. Everybody has their try. I'm Omar, but boys call me Papa Omar. You could join us. Join you? Yeah, I casa God. I'm not no orphan. I just moved that floor. Can't expect street kids to learn manners overnight. You've got 20 years to learn, Omar. Everybody has their trials and their tribulations. All right, listen up, guys. Attention. There's a storm that's going to reach the coast in a few hours. The good news, after we get done eating, we can line sandbags to protect from flooding. We're orphans, not idiots. Maybe God just wanted to get all the unluckiest kids in one building so he could crush us all at once. Hurricane Odile was the biggest storm we've seen in decades. How much food do we have left? About a week. My name is Captain Wade Malloy, and I am the only two-time champion of Bisbee's Black and Blue Tournament. World's biggest fishing tournament. Best teams in the world compete for millions in prizes. Sorry, but I'm afraid you don't qualify for this list. What if you team me up with a local fisherman? Doesn't have to be anybody even good. Doesn't even have to be a fisherman. With them? Those kids? Here's the deal. You and three of your least annoying orphans will be on my boat for the competition. When I catch the winning fish, we'll split their earnings to Prindy. I know why my mom left me now. Oh, God, here we go. So I could help you win this tournament. Of course she did. Here we go! We've never had a chance, and we still have to try. that song line up this morning and that trailer, wow. Well, I'm fired up. I don't know about anybody else. Welcome back online. We're glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, My name is Chris Neal. I'm the associate pastor here, also the men's pastor here at Grace. And uh, just a little plug, like we got a lot of great things coming as soon as this humidity stops for the men. Like, we're going to really do it. No, we got a lot of stuff happening. We've got a lot of great things coming this fall. And I'm really excited about all the things that are happening in the men's ministry here at Grace. But, man, that movie clip was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. To get your drilling going. How many of you have ever seen the movie Blue Miracle? Okay. It's on Netflix. You can start downloading it now. Don't switch online. Wait till I'm done. That would be rude. <laughs> but, but this movie's based on a true story, which I love true stories. Like I'm a sucker for a true story movie, and uh, this is one of my all-time favorites. I've seen it quite a few times, and I don't cry much. I cry in the dark like a real man should, 
but, but this movie gets me every now and then when I watch it. But in this movie, there's some people that are down their luck, and then God flips the script and does something amazing. So let's pray, and then we'll get going. God, I pray that you would just flip the script this morning. Somebody needs it. I can feel it, God. Online or here in person, transform. Transform somebody today. And this movie, it just speaks of your power and your majesty and your love in so many different unique ways. And your word, it speaks of how loyal and how trustworthy and how we can rely on you. So if there's anybody here today or online, they're losing hope. Moving their heart in a new way, God. If there's anybody here and they're frustrated and they feel like you're far away, God, I just pray that you would strangely warm their spirit and their souls this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you heard a couple of times, Papa Omar, he runs Casa Hogar uh, Orphanage. And the orphanage is running low on money because some investors have backed out of the money they had pledged to give. And so Papa Omar is getting these letters and he's getting these calls from the bank. And the orphanage is running low on food and supplies. And there's more and more kids that need his help still coming in. And it gets worse. There's a hurricane heading straight for Casa Hogar. And the good side of this, I guess there is a good side of this, is the hurricane hits, but it also makes entries for the Bisbee Black and Blue Fishing Tournament super low. And the Bisbee Black and Blue Fishing Tournament is like the world series of fishing tournaments for blue marlin fishing. It's like the Super Bowl of blue marlin fishing. So teams come from all over the world to fish in this tournament. And now the entries are super low. So they do an unprecedented thing based on a true story, and they let the local fishermen enter the tournament for free. Normally, it's $5,000 a team. And so now the only two-time winner of the Bisbee Black and Blue Fishing Tournament and Captain Wade, a washed-up boat captain, he wants to get back in the tournament. And the only way he can do that is to partner with Casa Hogar Orphanage. So the stage is set. If they win the tournament, the money could save the orphanage for a long time. And it could get the, ba- get the bank off their back. And so I can see it in your eyes. Are you wondering, are they going to catch the fish? Are they going to win the tournament? I can feel it. You guys are starting to download it right now. But the struggle, the drama, the tension in this movie, it's so much fun. And this movie's family friendly. You can watch it with your whole family. But we love to watch movies like this, don't we? Where people are experiencing this stuff and then God moves in a supernatural way. And we love to watch people live through those seasons on TV. But we hate to live through those seasons in our life where we start experiencing what they're experiencing. And some of you, maybe you've been through seasons like this. A season where you feel like Papa Omar feels. Where you're just, you just like throw your hands up to heaven And you just say, this just is what it is in this season of my life, God. And you aren't sure how to fix it. And things feel like they're out of control. And deep down, you're worried. Like you're worried that life is always going to be like this. Maybe you're here and you're married. Or maybe you're online. 
and, and you don't really have a great marriage, but you don't really have a horrible marriage, and nobody really wants a divorce in the marriage, but nobody really wants to change in the marriage either. And so you just throw your hands up to heaven, and you say, it just is what it is. Maybe it's financially, and you kind of feel this pressure that Papa Omar feels in the movie. And you get the bank, and they're calling you, and they're sending you letters, and you're living from paycheck to paycheck. Or maybe it's professionally, and you got this new job, because on the old job, you're always passed up for these promotions. And you think, this is the job. This is the one for me. And then they lay you off. Hey, for some of you, it's health issues. And it's kind of just chipping away at your quality of life. And you think it's going to be like this forever. And the doctors have said there's really nothing they can do. And again, you're just like, come on, God, what's going on? And maybe there's somebody here, somebody online, and you're experiencing all this. And you almost kind of feel cursed in these seasons of life. You almost feel like God is against you in these seasons of life. And what do you do? You just throw your hands up to heaven and you just say, I guess it just is what it is at this season of my life. And these things, when they happen, when we go, when we go through these seasons, it impacts our life. Like it can even cloud our view of God if you're not really careful. Because in these seasons, it can feel like God is almost against us. It can feel like God is distant from us. It can feel almost like God doesn't even care about the things that I care about, that, I, that, I, that I'm praying for. Where are you, God? And then we do this. You should never get on social media during this season of your life. Just here to tell. Sorry, online. Stay on social media for a while. I mean, what do we do? We start to compare. We start to compare our lives to the world out there that everybody else is living, and you see all these pictures and all these people with hair, right? All oh, the hair is just everywhere. And all these people, they, they're not even sweating like, what is going on? Am I saying this out loud? And, they, and the kids, they have the kids, and they have the house, and they have the car, and, and they have the job that I'm supposed to have. Come on, God. And then we start doing this. Say nothing good can come from this season of my life. There's nothing good in my life. And so what do you do? You kind of just throw your hands up to heaven and you say, I guess it just is what it is. And this is the war cry of a person who is weary and a person who is broken and a person who's in danger of losing hope. It really is. And yet, here we are, packed in this room here today. And some of you may be going through a tough season. And some of you may be losing hope. And some of you, may be, you might even feel like, like giving up. But deep in your heart, you're here because you're holding on to the promise. You're holding on to the promise. Deep in your heart, you're here because you believe there is someone greater that has called you into this room by name. By the way, you're not here by accident. Like he's called you into this room, into this place, so that you can experience his peace and his presence. And that is why I picked the movie Blue Miracle. And many of you who know me very well know that my family and I, we've gone through a rough season over the last 18 months. It's been pretty, pretty bumpy. 
And thing after thing, man, it's gone wrong, and we've been frustrated, and we've been upset. And these are hard emotions to process when, when your job, when, when you're trying to bring people closer to God and to help them experience a God that you're like, what is going on with my life, God? Oh, well, thank you. But... Just in case online you didn't hear that, they said we're doing a great job. <laughs> now, listen to this. These are some of the <laughs> common phrases that have been going on in our house, especially the last six months. Uh, you know, we just say, what are you going to do? It just is what it is. 2024 is going to be amazing. Right? <laughs> Katie will say something, some broke or something else, and I'll just say, add it to the list. Just put it on the list. And this is my new personal favorite for a little while here that I've been using. The other day I went outside and the tire was flat and it was raining and, and I'd parked the car out of the carport anyway. <laughs> and I threw, I threw my hands and said, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> <sighs> but in this frustration, like there's this huge frustration going on. But there's also another tension at play in my family's lives. Because really... This has been overwhelmingly difficult over the last 18 months. But we've also seen and we've also experienced God move in these supernatural ways. I mean, crazy ways. Ways that we become convinced that God hears our prayers and that God's working. In ways where we see the kingdom of heaven breaking through into our lives. Where we see the kingdom of heaven breaking through the chaos and the sadness and the tears in our life, breaking through the pain in our lives. Because this kind of stuff that we've experienced where we've seen this inbreaking of, of the kingdom of God just doesn't happen in the natural, normal world. And so Katie and I were left, you know, and we feel frustrated because of what we see and we, we feel like, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, like, we're just still trying to hold on to this hope that God is who he is and God will do what he said he will do and that God will keep his promises and that our circumstances are only temporary. There's always something bigger at play if we just will have the eyes to see it and the smallest seeds of faith to trust it. And it's this same undercurrent, nautical term intended there, that we see in the movie Blue Miracle. I mean, just in the open trailer there, we saw where the kids were like, God got all the unluckiest orphans together so he could just crush us all at once. We see the flood. We see the bank calling. We see them running low on food. We see police chasing. We see, we see them fighting with each other. We see them saying out loud that we never even had a chance in a sense they're just throwing their hands up to heaven, and they're saying, it just is what it is at this season of my life. They're saying, where are you, God? Don't you even hear my prayers? But also in the movie, we see this spark. We see this little glimmer of hope. And I love that part of the movie when we see it. And, and it's an interesting story in the Bible where there's this guy and his friends, and they're wondering... If God even hears their prayers. And they're wondering if God even cares about what's going on in their life. And they're wondering, does God even know 
that I exist. And the story I want to tell you about in the Bible this morning is John the Baptist, or better known as John the Baptizer. So what John really did was he baptized a bunch of people, and he would tell them about God, and he says, Jesus is coming soon, and then he would send them on their way. And this is where we pick up John's story in Matthew 3, 1 through 6. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was wild locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all over Judea. And the whole, the whole region of Jordan confessing their sins. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. And so John, he's baptizing thousands and thousands of people. The whole region, that's a lot of people. And they're being baptized by John and his disciples. And his message is clear. It says, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. In fact, John gets to baptize Jesus. How cool would that be? And so John, he's super well known. And he's kind of getting on the nerves of the religious leaders of the day. Because all these people are leaving the temple and they're going down to the Jordan River. What are they doing? They're supposed to be here. And they even come to see John. And John calls them snakes. <laughs> and John says, you need to repent. And preaching like that over time to the religious leaders of the day caused some friction, right? And so John is arrested and he's thrown in the desert dungeon on the hilltop city of Machaerus. And now John is in prison. And Jesus hears that his brother, or that his, that his cousin, that his buddy is in prison. And listen to what Jesus does when he hears that John the Baptist is in prison Matthew 4, 12 through 13. It says, When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum. Which, side note, is by the lake, not in the desert, John. In the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. This is what Jesus does when his cousin gets thrown in prison. He actually goes further away from John. When it's like... The one that baptized him. And he goes in the opposite direction. And just a side note, if you ever hear that Tommy and I are in prison, we're going to be upset <laughs> if you go to your lake house and don't come and see us. Because it's a conspiracy. It's the two-leggers trying to take us down. <laughs> we're being framed here. And you would have at least thought <laughs> that Jesus would have dropped by and said, So sorry, John. So sorry. Or maybe you would have sent a cake with a file in it, something like that. Or maybe you would have put some commissary money on his commissary, written him a letter. Or sent a couple of his disciples to at least drop by and talk to John. But nothing. Instead, Jesus gets more and more distant from John. And this is how we feel sometimes, isn't it? Like here we are in a dungeon of debt, in the desert dungeon, dungeon losing hope. And it just feels like Jesus is getting further and further away, and that's how Papa Omar feels in the movie Blue Miracle. He's in a dungeon of debt. His orphanage is flooded, and he needs God to move in a big way. And earlier in the movie, 
Papa Omar, he has this uh, conversation with a little guy named Tweety that you saw there. And, and he tells Tweety, he said, if you ever need God to do a miracle, you just write your prayer down on a piece of paper and we'll nail it to the front door. And so in this scene that we're about to see, Tweety has written a prayer. He wants Papa Omar to hammer it to the front door. And even though Papa Omar is losing hope and he really needs God to move in a big way and he's feeling hopeless, Papa Omar, he starts to nail that prayer to the door. And in his mind, I would think he's like, God, send me a big old bag of money so he can save this orphanage. But instead, God answers his prayer by sending a washed-up boat captain. She stepped on the windows. Papa Omar! Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Okay. All right. But just remember, Tweety. God is always listening, but he doesn't always answer our prayers the way that we think he should. So he just... All right. Here's the deal. You and three of your least annoying orphans will be on my boat for the duration of the competition. Not him. He's too little. You'll do everything I say, and you will say nothing. And when I catch the winning fish, we'll split the earnings 80 20, 80 me, 20 you. Caprende? See you next week. Look, hey, I don't even know what you're talking about. Him fix what's going on in my life online, hashtag Dennis. So. But that's not how Papa Omar feels. And guess what? That's not how John the Baptist and his friends feel. Because now John has been in prison over a year. And I was reading through this. Some accounts say he had been in prison in the desert dungeon for almost 18 months. And he kind of has what everybody has when you've been away from God. And you don't feel like he's answering your prayers like he should. He starts to have doubts. And so John, he gets some of his friends together and his disciples. He said, go talk to Jesus. See what's going on. So in Matthew 11, 2, 3, here's what happens. So when John was in prison, he heard about the deeds of the Messiah. He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who, should, or who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? And so John's asking, are you really the Jesus I baptized? Are, are you the Messiah? Are you the son of God? Are you the one that everybody's waiting on? John wants to know. And Jesus says this to him in Matthew 11, 4 through 5. Jesus said, go back and report this to John. Tell him what you see and what you hear. The blind, they receive sight. The lame, they walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf, they hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus says, go back and tell John I am the one. I want you to go back and tell John about all the things I'm doing for everybody else. I want you to tell him, man, that people are being healed. I want you to tell him that the lame are walking. I want you to tell him that the blind see. I want you to tell him that prisoners are being set free. Well, not you, John, but, you know, prisoners are. John, I want you to keep believing in me because of all the things I'm doing for everybody else. And that's our life sometimes, isn't it? 
And that's how the orphans feel, and that's how Papa Omar feels. Maybe that's how you feel. And just like the nail clip that we watched a few minutes ago, Papa Omar, he's feeling hopeless. And he needs someone to send some help. He needs someone to take away his burdens. But listen to what God does in this movie. God doesn't immediately just send a big old stack of cash to help Papa Omar. Instead, God sends an opportunity to test and to grow his faith. Instead of immediately helping Papa Omar the way he wanted to be helped, God sends a moment in a fishing tournament with a washed-up old boat captain to test Papa Omar's integrity and to test his faith. And then just when Papa Omar thinks that cheating really is the way to win this tournament and to save his orphanage, he puts his hand in his pocket, and that little nail that he had nailed the prayer up with is back there. And that nail pierced his finger and reminded him that this is not the way to win the tournament. And so he decides that even if God doesn't answer his prayer the way he thinks God should answer his prayer, that, he was, that, his, that his integrity and that his character and that his faith are worth more than that. Papa Omar decides... That there's something greater at work here in his life. Clip three. So there's something greater at work in Papa Omar's story. And there's something greater at work in John the Baptist's story as well. So John's disciples are leaving to go back and tell John all the things that Jesus is doing for everybody else. And listen to what Jesus tells the crowd about John as his disciples are walking away. Matthew 11, 11. It says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So John the Baptist is a great man, but there's something at work that is greater here. And that's the kingdom of heaven. And so yes, our circumstances, they may feel like big and out of control. But I'm here to tell you today that the kingdom of heaven is bigger. And our prayers, they may not be answered the way we want our prayers to be answered. But I promise you this, our prayers are being answered 
in a way that forwards the kingdom of heaven. And when we learn to live with this perspective and we learn to trust, man, that we are actually working alongside God for kingdom purposes that are bigger and for kingdom purposes that are greater than anything that we can even imagine. This builds our faith and it increases our ability to persevere and, and like opens our minds to, to a life we never even dreamed or imagined we could be a part of because we are fighting for a kingdom purpose. We are fighting alongside God to see the promises of God fulfilled. And so not to spoil the end of the movie for anyone, but it is called Blue Miracle, not Blue Disappointment. <laughs> so in the end, God moves. Like he moves in a supernatural way, and he uses this unlikely situation, and he uses these unlikely people, and he uses these crazy turn of events. To save Casa Hogar Orphanage. And God didn't send like a big old sack of money. Instead, he started transforming lives. And he started changing legacies. And God did this through relationships and through prayer and through faith. And because of the way that God worked, all these orphans and Papa Omar and, and Captain Wade, they were left with this like, transformation and this testimony that they had to share with others. To start transforming those around them. At the end of the movie, they even add a whole nother wing to the shelter. Where they start taking in girls. Young ladies that need their help. But did you catch the symbolism with that nail in the movie? Especially like when he put it in his pocket and that nail pierced his finger. I was like, come on now, that's too cool. Because your Savior and my Savior, he faced a similar situation that Papa Omar faces and that we face sometimes. Because the night before he was crucified, Jesus, he was wrestling with his heavenly Father. And yeah, Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. And God is kind enough through this interaction to show us the humanity in Jesus. And we get to see Jesus question God. And we get to see Jesus like, like be unsure of if he could even carry this, this burden, this, this thing. It felt too big for him to even carry. And Jesus is praying to God. Luke 22, 41 through 42. And so Jesus, he withdrew about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not your will be done. Not, not, yet not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, Father, I know you can do anything. I need you to take these circumstances away from me. Father, I am confident that if you want to, you can take this cup of suffering from me. And God did not take the cup of suffering away from Jesus. Because ultimately God knew and ultimately Jesus knew that this is what needed to happen to save the world. And every one of us that are here today and every one of us here online, like we're super glad that God did not answer Jesus' prayer the way that Jesus wanted him to. God had a greater kingdom purpose for Jesus. So we learn from the movie Blue Miracle that even when God seems distant and God seems like, man, he's not, he's not hearing my prayers. Like, where are you, God? That God cares and that God loves us. 
And we learn from the movie Blue Miracle that even when it feels like Jesus is up by the lake somewhere and he's not, he's not answering my prayers, I don't feel you, Jesus, where are you? We learn that Jesus loves us and that Jesus still cares about us. We learn that our greatest focus cannot always be on our circumstances. We learn that we must have to strive and we learn that we have to, to focus on kingdom things, to have a kingdom-minded focus. And when we have a kingdom-minded focus, like we get to watch God move in crazy circumstances and transform lives and transform the lives of those around us in amazing ways. And that is the miracle that we should all be fishing for. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.